1: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match
2: limited by state law. Hitting the news you might have missed. It's Denton's Daily News. All right, Denton, what do you got?
3: All right, big news out of uh, college basketball on the women's side. Caitlin yep. Clark announced yesterday she's going to enter the WNBA draft. Approximately 20 minutes after she put out the graphic, the WNBA's Indiana Fever, who hold the number one overall pick, sent out a link for season tickets. No coincidence there.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. So what are the what are the economics on this move? Will she? she I'm I'm assuming she knows and can say confidently that in addition to earning a salary, which, correct me if I'm wrong, I think is less than $100,000 a year in the WNBA?
3: Uh, it depends who you are as a player. There are certain players that get more than $100,000, and I don't know what it is with number one overall draft picks, but it'll be a six-figure salary.
2: Will it be low six figures or high six figures? I, I want to know what that that is because – Look, the, the the NIL money is huge for her. Um, the Athletic wrote a story, and I just I forgot to read it before the show. Was interested. Here it is: the base salary for a rookie selected in the lottery, where Caitlin Clark will be picked picked as number one overall, is seventy eight thousand six dollars in her first season. On top of that, the Rookie of the Year award wins a bonus of fifty one hundred and fifty dollars. All stars make twenty five hundred. and there are additional incentives for three-point contest champion playoff participants, all of which are possibilities for Clark in her first year. If Clark decides to play overseas, that contract would become another source of income, but that's not what she's going to do. Um, All of the other the NIL deals just become straight endorsement deals when she moves to being a professional. So instead of it coming through an NIL collective at Iowa, it'll come through endorsement deals with State Farm and the you know Gatorade and the other NIL sponsors that she has. I I would assume that clearly she believes that she can make more money in the WNBA than she could if she stayed another year at Iowa.
3: Right. Yeah. And I'm sure that she will. What I've seen on Twitter over the last like day or two is that people, for some reason, don't think she's going to keep the endorsement deals. Like as if state farm is just going to be like, Oh, you don't play women's college basketball anymore. So therefore we're not going to put you in commercials. Right. Which that to me sounds Silly, like with all with all due respect. Oh, no, no,
2: no. She's already a brand. It, she, it, yeah, it, she is the In brand. fact, if she weren't even playing basketball for the next couple of years, she would be on some of these commercials. Right. It's not like – because
3: you could kind of pseudo-make an argument if this was like a couple years ago you were playing for UConn, right? Because UConn's this massive brand in college basketball. But she is the brand. So wherever she goes, the endorsement deals will follow. And honestly, so will the eyeballs – I'm not like a huge, huge WNBA guy, but it is very clear that the product and the the build is growing within that league, and adding Caitlin Clark to that is only going to to expedite that growth. So this is huge for WNBA basketball. Caitlin Clark's gonna be fine. The idea that um, what's is that little uh, mole who is a sports business reporter who's like a bot, Darren Ravel. Uh, the fact that he said she's going to lose a million dollars is ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. That dude should know better than that. But I'm I'm convinced that dude's not a real person. I just I don't think he's
2: real. Well, Darren Ravel is a real person. I used to have him on the show many years ago. Um, until he got a little bit wacky and wrong a lot. Uh, I don't I don't know the economics. I'm reading something right now that suggests that. Um, well, it doesn't suggest her. She's got eleven. NIL deals that pay an estimated $900,000 per year to her in college. Nike, Gatorade, State Farm, Buick, Goldman Sachs, H&R Block, and Topps. Is that 11? Um, it, that's nine or 10 of them, whatever. Uh, and so she's making 900000 Here's a very interesting aspect of the WNBA. So The salaries are very low, obviously, compared to other professional sports. They just don't generate the kind of revenue in the WNBA that other sports do. But the WNBA has something called a player marketing agreement. And they've got up to a million dollars annually to spend on players. And she could make up to $250,000 additionally through this player marketing agreement with the WNBA season so assuming that she would make the max which is 250 of the million dollars that they've got to spend or something approximating that she's going to make you know somewhere around 350 in compensation you know and then you've got all of these other in incentives but let's those aren't big incentive deals let's just call it 350 there she's making 900,000 through NIL that absolutely follows her I don't know why they would think that she's less valuable as a spokesperson for their products as a professional player. Now, I guess you could make the case that the college bat, women's college basketball is much more watched than the WNBA, but wouldn't somebody make the case that with Caitlin Clark in the WNBA, it'll bring a lot of eyeballs to the WNBA? I think I'm right about that, right? Like it's not even comparable. The 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 numbers that I was gotten in games here recently, even before Caitlin Clark, the women's final four, the women's championship game massively outdrew the WNBA finals. I believe that's true.
3: Yeah, even without Caitlin Clark and then recently like the Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese stuff from last year. I mean that damn near outdrew some of the men's NCAA tournament yeah. stuff. Yeah.
2: Um, so, you know, then, I mean, look, her social media following has to become a massive income source for her as she continues to grow. I guess the one thing you would just say without knowing much about this is, will fewer people watch her in the WNBA than watching her at Iowa? And what will that do to her brand? You know, will it start to diminish the, will her exposure be diminished i don't know i mean i think a lot of people are into caitlin clark and wherever she goes to play if it's on tv they're gonna watch if it's live they're gonna watch all right what else do you have
3: uh so have you watched this uh this new i guess it's new i think it came out in
2: february the we are
3: the world documentary on netflix
2: no but but cj my buddy cj chris johnson told me it is excellent it's on netflix right yeah he was talking about it the other night we, we were together the other night um at, uh, at at au for the wcac championship and he goes you've got to watch this so tell me what you wanted to tell me about it
3: i think i agree with cj you have to watch it i thought it was very very good now obviously uh I I was not born when this all went down. But I'm a fan of the song. There was like a 25-year anniversary, um, I guess, 14 years ago now when the earthquakes in Haiti uh, took place. So I'm very familiar with this song, but getting to watch this documentary and gather the artists who, some of which I was familiar with, there was a lot of artists on there that I I really didn't know, but getting the magnitude of those stars in there were a couple scenes that were like really, really funny. Uh, Stevie Wonder is hilarious. I, I was not familiar with how funny He was, I think Lionel Richie is really funny as well. He was a big part of this documentary, but there were some really, really good scenes. And because you are such a music buff, I think you would really enjoy watching all these personalities
2: come together. Who wrote this song? song. Did Quincy Jones write the song?
3: No, he composed it. It was written by um, Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie.
2: That's right. CJ told me that. Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie wrote the song. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, you know, I remember a lot of the people that were there. Now, CJ said that it essentially was done very much in secret after the American Music Awards. Yes. Where they all went back to this recording studio and nobody knew about it. And even that, you know, was interesting. And people like Cindy Lauper and and Dylan and others are, are just, there's a lot of stuff in there on, on those people. Yeah, I, I want to watch it. How long is it? It's about uh, 90 minutes. It's not bad. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, By the way, Lionel Richie had hosted the American Music Awards that night and then went back and kind of helped put this entire thing together. I mean, that man must have had no sleep for like 36 straight hours.
2: One of the first concerts I ever went to was Lionel Richie as the lead singer of the Commodores. It was a Commodores-Luther Vandross show at the Capitol Center. (laughs) Luther Vandross opened for the Commodores. This would have been 83 8283 somewhere around there. All right, uh what else you got?
3: Uh final thing for you here, the NFL rules committee is looking at making a couple of changes. They're going to address some things potentially with a kickoff uh, in the spring, but one right. of the changes they are looking to make is banning
2: the hip drop tackle, which oh. if you don't know the hip drop tackle How ta- can they ban that? I, I, you, don't know. We're we're not going to we're not going to be able to get p- actual players to the ground. At at this point I think that hip drop, uh, we've seen this coming for a while, that they were going to ban that, because it is a dangerous play for the player that's being tackled. Um, To me, it's not – I don't know how they stop themselves from getting into that position if they're going to get penalized without letting them go, without letting the runner then continue. It's so hard to get some of these players just to the ground – I, I I don't think that they should ban the hip drop. I really don't.
3: No, I ca- I cannot think of a a way that they can do it while still maintaining the sanctity of football.
2: I also am not a big fan of the kickoff change um at all. I I am not a I, big action like, kickoff guy. I I don't I don't I just don't think there's a clamoring from fans for this play to have more action to it. You know, we've, it's like the extra point that became super automatic from 20 yards out. I didn't ever feel there was a clamoring for a 37-yard extra point so that there would be more decisions to go for two or that there'd be more of a chance that it would be missed. Now, there was... A clamoring for overtime rules to change when it was just a field goal that could win it, and we went to the first possession ends a game with a touchdown, and then we advanced that after the Buffalo Kansas City game to allow both teams the opportunity uh, at the football, um, which is what we saw in the Super Bowl. Uh, I that that there was real hunger for change. It felt unfair. It felt like it was really impacting the experience of the game. I just I, I don't see it on the kickoff. If they went to that XFL thing, it would look XFL-ish. Um but I guess it would be safer and lead to more returns, I guess. I don't know, it does seem I actually was surprised this year that we didn't see more teams with the fair catch rule on the kickoff uh instituted for the 2023 season. I thought we were going to see more attempts at squib kicks that landed inside the twenty-yard line, um, and you know allowed, you know forced, you know sort of the pickup of the football and a return at that point. We didn't see any of that. the The absolute, you know, default on kickoffs was to kick it as far as you can out of the end zone and let them start at the twenty-five yard line. I mean there's the safety issue, there's the entertainment value of the play. They've certainly increased the safety value because there aren't any kickoff returns anymore. We've lost the entertainment value of the play, but I don't think there's a huge clamoring to get it back. If they want if they want the entertainment value of the play, you gotta back the kickoffs back to the thirty. I don't even know if that's good enough anymore. And you've got to, you know, do things with the wedge, you've got to do things with you know, players not getting running starts or not being allowed outside certain. I don't know what they can do. Um, safety. It's important. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but uh, we've ex- we extended overtime with, you know, giving teams a chance at the ball um, and forcing teams to score a touchdown in the regular season to end it in regulation. So that automatically made that overtime games were going to last a little bit longer, even though they went to 10-minute overtime periods. Drake Mays, high school
0: coach, next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild.